Welcome to the City of Refuge podcast, where our mission is to equip a diverse community of Christ followers to make him known. It's so good to, to worship God, to worship God as King, and uh, fitting for this morning's sermon, we are actually going to be talking about um, costly worship. That's the theme of our sermon for this morning, costly worship. So thank you, folks, um, especially to the Barnes. How much did you put into that worship set? Was there a mo- monetary value? Can you give me a... Infinite. Infinite, yes, Exactly. Our worship should always be infinite because God has given infinitely of his grace and of himself to us. So let's pray and then we can continue reading God's word as we worship. Jesus, thank you so much for your word that brings truth and life to us. Thank you for your word that is a light to our feet and a lamp unto our path. Thank you that we can look to the stories in scripture as mirrors that show us ourselves or show us what you want from us and how you want us to live in this world. So God, as we listen to uh, the story of your anointing at Bethany, may we learn to see your goodness and the way that you have called us to live through this story. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right. So if you have been with us for the last couple months, it seems like a long time. We've actually been in the book of Mark since the month of January, and we've been trying to understand who Jesus is as our servant king. Jesus is our servant king. So he's our king. He rules and he reigns, but he also serves us out of his abundant goodness. So God serves us. And so today... We're looking at a story from the book of Mark, chapter 14, from verses 1 through 11. And this story is a story of Jesus being anointed in a town called Bethany. So you can find this story in a couple other Gospels. You can find it in the book of Matthew, chapter 26, verse 6 through 18. And you can also find it in the book of John, chapter 12, verse 1 through 8. So you can find the story in Matthew 26, 6 through 18, and the Gospel of John 12, verse 1 through 8. So let's look at Mark chapter 14, 1 through 2. This is what it says. It was now two days before the Passover and the Feast of Unleavened Bread, and the chief priests and the scribes were seeking how to arrest him by stealth and kill him. For they said, not during the feast, lest there be an uproar from the people. So Jesus has been teaching the people and many, many people are believing in him or at least starting to follow him. They've been following him because he's been doing miracles, but his teaching is one with authority. And so at this point in time, uh, Jesus is continuing on in his journey. This is about two days before the Passover. Now, what's the Passover? The Passover is a feast that the children of Israel, the Jewish people, celebrated to commemorate their deliverance from 400 years of slavery 
in Egypt. So every time on the first month of their calendar year, um, on the 14th day to the 21st day, it was about a week-long celebration, they would celebrate what was called Passover. And Passover was really a time to celebrate the way that the angel of death had passed over the people of Israel when they were in Egypt. This was the final plague that came on the people in Egypt where Pharaoh, down from Pharaoh all the way to his servants and everybody in Egypt lost their firstborn sons because they had kept the people of God in bondage. But for the people of Israel who were living in Egypt, there was rescue and there was salvation. And all they had to do was take the blood of a lamb that they slaughtered and put it on doorposts. So part of the Passover was you had to slaughter a lamb and you had to eat everything that was part of the lamb. If you didn't get to eat it, you had to burn it up in fire. You had to eat bread that had no yeast, so flat bread, unleavened bread. And you also had to eat all of this with bitter herbs. So you couldn't get your Tony Saturies and put on it. You had to use bitter herbs and spices for the lamb and for the bread. And so part of what was happening here was God was promising the people that every year after he had delivered them, they were to remember his uh, deliverance, remember his deliverance by doing these things and these rituals. But they were also to remember the most important thing that God had spared every firstborn son of Israel. Because what they had to do was kill the lamb and the blood that they got from the lamb, they put on doorposts, on doorposts. So doorposts like that, where you had um, blood of the lamb, they put it on like a branch or something and pasted it on the top and on the sides of the doors. So that was Passover. This was the time that was coming up, a time of this remembrance. And Jesus and his disciples were about to celebrate the Passover feast with the rest of Israel. So that's the context of our story today. But in the context of our story today, there is this word about what it means to worship God. How should we worship God? What does worship cost us? Is worship cheap or is worship of God costly? Costly worship. So let's read Mark chapter 14, 3 through 5. And while he was at Bethany in the house of Simon the leper, as he was reclining at the table, a woman came with an alabaster flask and poured it over his head. There were some who said to themselves indignantly, why was the ointment wasted like that? For this ointment could have been sold for more than 300 denarii and given to the poor. And they scolded her. So there's a woman in our story today, and if you read the other accounts that we talked about in the book of John and also in the book of Matthew, most of those accounts point to uh, this person being Mary, the sister of Lazarus, and also the sister of Martha. That's the person that most folks believe is the, the, the woman in our story today. And Jesus is reclining at the table, eating at the house of someone who's hosting him, and this woman comes in with a very expensive oil that's in an expensive jar. And she uses it to anoint Jesus' head with oil. Now, everybody around her knows that kind of oil and what it costs. And so they are very angry 
with this woman for breaking open this alabaster jar and anointing Jesus with this very expensive oil or perfume. So they say, why has she done this? This is worth 300 denarii. Now that unit of uh, weight, that's like a, a day's weight worth of wages. So one denarii is like a day's worth of wages. So 300 denarii is really much like a year's worth of wages. So this wasn't a cheap piece of perfume or oil that this woman was anointing Jesus with. It was very, very expensive. It cost her a lot. But she sacrificially poured this alabaster oil jar onto Jesus, preparing him for his burial. She anoints his head with this perfume. And all the people there are indignant. They're angry. And they begin to chastise her. They're angry with her for doing this. And they say to her, you know, this is money that we could have spent on the poor. Why are you wasting it on Jesus? Why are you wasting it by pouring it on Jesus' head and anointing his body with all of this expensive oil? See, they quantified it by the amount of wages that it would have cost this woman to bring that oil to Jesus. But you see, this woman knows that this moment is very key in the life and ministry of Jesus. Jesus has been sharing with his disciples on and on throughout our journey in the book of Mark that he would have to suffer and die. He would have to suffer and die. But it doesn't seem like anyone else is paying attention to the words that he says. But this woman picks up, Mary picks up on this, and she brings this oil to anoint Jesus and prepare him for his death and for his burial. She does what nobody else in Jesus' inner circle does. She prepares Jesus for his burial. Very expensive. This act of worship is very expensive to her because it costs her about a year's worth of wages. But it's also very expensive because as she's doing this for Jesus, it's costing her her reputation as well. People are looking at her and they are ashamed of her. They are calling her the woman who doesn't take care of the poor, but spends lavishly on this gift that she's given Jesus. She's wasteful with this gift. It costs her her reputation. It costs her financially. There's a sacrifice that she poured out at the feet of Jesus and on his head that was expensive to her. It was an act of worship to prepare Jesus for his burial, and it was expensive. It was expensive. But this woman, Mary, did it anyway. She saw something that cost her a lot, and she poured it out on Jesus in service to him and in recognition of the journey that he was about to take to the cross, to be crucified, to die, and be buried. She understands the good news and gospel message. Church, we're not far from that. There's a lot of people I see in here who, in worship of Jesus Christ, have done the exact same thing that this woman has done. 
Maybe it wasn't an expensive piece of perfume or oil, but I see people in this room who have sacrificed lucrative careers in so many different fields to pursue a call that God has given them in other areas of life. Expensive worship, worship that is costly, laying down those things at the feet of Jesus. In this room, I see people who have sacrificed their reputation with their families or with friends to pursue a relationship that God is calling them to pursue. It's expensive to them. They are losing their reputation and respect from their family, but they do this as an act of worship because they feel like God is calling them to pursue those relationships, pouring out our worship extravagantly to God. In this room, in our church, we see people who have endured ridicule from family and friends because they've decided to follow Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior and to believe in his death and his burial and resurrection. And because of that, they've been cast out by family. Their worship of Jesus Christ has cost them something dear to them. People have asked them questions telling them that they are wrong for wasting all of this on Jesus. Why are you wasting your life following Jesus? Why are you wasting your money and your career following Jesus? Why are you wasting your reputation? You could be so popular in this world, but you're following Jesus. Expensive, expensive worship. Well, this is worship that God requires of us. God requires us in the face of Jesus Christ, our servant king, to bring to him worship that is costly, worship that is sacrificial, worship that requires sacrifice. And the reason God does this is because Jesus models this himself. Jesus Christ is our Passover lamb. So in Mark chapter 14, verse 6 through 9, it says this, and let's read it together. But Jesus said, leave her alone. Why do you trouble her? She has done a beautiful thing to me. For you always have the poor with you, and whenever you want, you can do good for them. But you will not always have me. All right, let's stop there. So... In this passage, Jesus begins to reveal to his disciples again why he has come. He hasn't come as the conquering hero that they thought he is, who was going to rescue them from Roman oppression through battle and through might. He hasn't come as that person. He has come as a suffering servant who is going to rescue the entire world from sin and death through his own death and resurrection and so jesus begins to tell them i am here receiving this expensive gift from mary and it's a beautiful thing that she is anointing me and getting me ready for my burial but there's this quote in that passage that's very disturbing when you look at it on its face right it seems like jesus doesn't care about those who are poor, right? He says, but Jesus said, leave her alone. Why do you trouble her? She has done a beautiful thing to me. For you always have the poor with you, and whenever you want, you can do good for them. 
but you will not always have me. It seems like Jesus is saying, you know what? Don't, don't worry about the poor. Just spend all your worship on me. Don't worry about how much it costs to take care of people who are needy in this world. Just spend it all on me. But if you do a little digging, you'll see that Jesus is actually quoting from the book of Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy chapter 15, Jesus is quoting verse 11, where it says, For there will never cease to be poor in the land. Therefore, I command you, you shall open up your hand to your brother, to the needy and to the poor in your land. So rather than being this dismissive comment about the poor, what Jesus is really telling people that are listening to him there is there should never be poor people among us because God is commanding us to always have an open hand to people. So he's calling out the hypocrisy of the people who are seemingly caring about the poor because he's saying to them, this one act, this one act in time where a woman sacrifices to prepare the savior of the whole world and the king of the universe for his death, burial, and resurrection. Like you guys are picking on this act and you're picking on Mary instead of understanding that the call to take care of the poor is something that's always been there. In fact, if you read other versions of this uh, story, you'll see that the, the, the motive of the people who are questioning was not pure. The motive of the folks who are questioning was not pure because they actually wanted to use some of those resources for themselves and not for the poor. And so Jesus points them back to this passage in Deuteronomy to say, there's always going to be opportunities to serve and to love the poor. But right here in this moment, focus on what's going on here. The savior of the world is being anointed, being set apart, being put aside as sacred so that he can enter into this place of deep darkness to wrestle with our sin and our brokenness and to bring us eternal life. So Jesus calls them out on that. He recognizes the significance of this moment. This is a moment where Mary has understood that she must do something very costly for Jesus because Jesus is about to do something very costly for her. And so she anoints him with oil and she worships him as her servant king. So let's talk a little bit about the anointing itself. Like what is it about pouring oil on a person's body that makes it significant? If you look to history, you'll see that some of the only times in Israel's history where anointing is done is when someone is being anointed and put in place as either a prophet, a priest, or a king. So a prophet or priest or a king, somebody who has some work to do for God, special work to do for God, and someone who is looking for the power of the Holy Spirit to guide them as they are doing that work. So kings, people who ruled over nations, the nation of Israel were anointed. They were anointed because they had a special task to do for God. Priests, people who presided over sacrifices, the way that people worshipped back in that day. They were anointed, set apart to do something very special for God. Prophets, prophets, people who spoke the word of God powerfully to his people so they could understand it. Prophets were also anointed and set apart 
for a special task for God. So by anointing Jesus, Mary recognizes that Jesus is that final prophet, priest, and king, both for Israel and for all of humanity, that Jesus has a special task ahead of him. And Jesus, relying on the Holy Spirit, is going to fulfill and complete this task, the task of prophet, speaking words of wisdom and words of challenge to the people of Israel and to all nations on earth from that day forward. That Jesus was going to be the final priest. He was going to be the priest who ended all sacrifices, but not only just the priest, he was actually going to be the sacrificial lamb itself. And Jesus was going to be the king, the final king of Israel, the one after which Israel needed no other king, the king whose kingdom stretches from shore to shore, the king who brings everybody under his rule and reign that is righteous and just, merciful and loving. Mary knew what was about to happen. And she anoints Jesus because she recognizes him as prophet, priest, and king. She anoints Jesus because she knows that her jar of oil is nothing compared to what Jesus is about to pour out on the cross. Yes, she has expensive oil that is being poured from an expensive jar. But she knows that Jesus is about to pour out something even more expensive from his body. Jesus is about to pour out his blood for the salvation of all mankind. Jesus is about to pour out his blood and his body is about to be broken for salvation for all of us. Redemption that is great. Redemption that makes the Passover look small. This redemption that Jesus Christ is about to bring is about the rescue of sinners from sin and death. Jesus has work ahead of him and is in need of the Holy Spirit to empower him, to comfort him, and to shepherd him to the place where God has a special task for him to do. Mary sees that, and that's revealed to her by the Holy Spirit. And so she pours out of the abundance that she has, worship that is very costly, worship that cost her financially, but also cost her her reputation. That's who Jesus is. He is our God who is worthy of our worship. He is our God who is worthy of everything that we have to give. Jesus is worthy of the most expensive thing in our lives. Jesus is worthy of the most expensive relationships in our lives. We can pour those things out like Mary and worship to God. Worship that is costly to us, but worship that ultimately God will use for our good and for his glory. So let me ask you this today, church. Where is it that God is calling you to pour out worship that is expensive at the feet of Jesus? Where is it that you need Jesus to step into to do a mighty work in your life. And so you pour out whatever it is that you're holding back, whatever it is that you're unwilling to break, unwilling to pour out to Jesus so he can use it for your good and for his glory. 
So let's look at some questions. I want you to reflect on these questions. And while you're reflecting on the questions, uh, we'll play a song, a song that is based on the passage that we've read today. Feel free to pray. Feel free to journal as you're reflecting on these questions. Feel free to just listen to the song, but we'll play the song, do some reflection, and then come back and end our time. It is a long song, so let me prepare you ahead of time. It's about seven minutes, so please take the time that you need to write, to reflect, to listen to the words of the song. And here are the questions. The first one is, identify a few things that cost so much which you need to pour or have already poured out in worship to Jesus. The second one, in what ways is Jesus Christ worthy of such costly worship? And then the third one, in what ways will Jesus take or if this has happened to you already in life, in what ways has Jesus taken a sacrifice that could have shamed you and used it for your good and for his glory? We'll spend about seven minutes in reflection, and then we'll come back and finish our time together.
foolishness I know, but your foolishness is wiser than my wisest, wiser, wiser. It's foolishness I know, but your foolishness is wiser than my wisest, wiser, wiser. It's foolishness I know. But your foolishness is wiser than my wisest, wiser, wiser. Oh, you wiser, you wiser, you Cause you are worthy, 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 Lord. You are worthy.
So expensive worship, costly worship that we pour out on the feet of Jesus and on his head, anointing him because we know he is worthy. And why is he worthy? He is worthy because he is our Passover lamb. He is worthy because he is the son of God, the lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. As the people of Israel celebrated Passover and remembered the way that God protected them when the people of Egypt were not protected, we remember that God is worthy because the angel of death actually visited God's house and did not spare his firstborn son. But Jesus Christ was crucified, died, was buried, and on the third day he rose again with all power and authority in his hand. The angel of death passed over our houses, but visited the house of God. And Jesus sacrificed his life. But on the third day he rose again with all power and authority in his hands. He gave us life, life abundantly, life that is worth far more than anything that we hide in our alabaster boxes. And Jesus is calling us today to break those boxes and to pour out that oil, to pour out that oil to see how he uses it for his good, for our good, and for his glory. Uh, So let me just share one thing that came up for me in my time of reflection and thinking about costly worship. So I struggle a lot with people-pleasing. Like, I like being liked by people. And sometimes this gets in the way of me doing the right thing. Because a lot of times, doing the right thing means that you're going to offend somebody. There's somebody who will not like what you are doing when things are supposed to be done the way God wants them to be done. And so God revealed to me that that's something that I hold on to very dearly. Like, I want to be liked by everybody. And so I keep it hidden in my alabaster jar, and I'm afraid of pouring it out at the feet of Jesus and just letting it go and saying, God, take this oil, this desire to be liked by everybody, I pour it out for you to use it for my good and for your glory. And so that's one thing that I'm hoping God continues to convict me of, just to pour out that thing that I feel like will cost me my relationship with people or my image in front of people, because that's really what it is. It's about keeping a good image. And so I'm asking God to help me to pour out my reputation and costly worship to him, knowing that Christ is my Passover lamb, my prophet, my priest, my king, and he is able to use even that that I hold on to for my good and for his glory. Another thing I reflected on is um, my marriage. Uh, Some of you know the story, or some of you may not, but... Uh, initially, my relationship with Chi-Chi, like there weren't, there wasn't a whole lot of support for it, right? It was this relationship where it really felt like a place of shame. 
a lot of people, uh, especially kind of older folks, didn't understand why we wanted to get married and didn't see why we should get married. Because uh, if you know something about Nigeria, Chichi and I are from two different tribes. And that's kind of like interracial marriage here where it was frowned upon, you know, kind of seen as this, this isn't right, this isn't good, this is going to stop certain things from happening. Your children are not going to be able to learn certain languages or certain cultures or you're not going to keep the family line in the family. What will you do with names? Like whose names are, are they going to take? Names from my tribe or names from Chi-Chi's tribe? And it was a big deal for us getting married. But I'm starting to see how this is one of those areas where there was something really expensive that God called us to pour out and trust to him. And I see so many ways that God has used our marriage to bless other people. God has used our marriage to bless other people. And so it doesn't matter what people say, but in the eyes of God, this expensive step of getting married and using our marriage to minister to other people has brought God glory. So church, the encouragement to you today is whatever it is that you're holding in that box, that jar of alabaster, know that Jesus Christ is worth it. Jesus Christ and the plan that he has for your life is worth letting that thing go. And know that God will never leave you to shame from other people. Jesus Christ will always rewrite your story like he did for Mary today. When other people said she wasn't a person who cared for the poor, Jesus reminded them that he himself was poor. And by anointing him, Mary was actually caring for the poor. God reminded all the people there through Jesus that Mary's story is a story that would not die with that event that day, but that God would use to encourage people for generations to come. Until this day, as Jesus predicted, we look at the story of Mary as an example of what God can do when we pour out our praise like oil at the feet and on the head of Jesus so that he can use it for our good and for his glory. Now, it might take some time. You know, it might not happen overnight. It might take some time to let go of that very costly thing that you don't want to give to Jesus. But church, remember that Jesus has given his most treasured item, his very life for you. And worship to God, his Father, for our salvation. Jesus is worthy of our worship. Jesus is worthy of what's most expensive in our lives. Give it to Jesus and watch him do what he does well. Watch him make beautiful things come out of broken pieces of the jars that you have given him. Let's pray. Jesus Christ, for the things that we have sacrificed for you, reputation, jobs, finances, relationship with family and friends. Lord, we thank you for using those things for our good and for your glory. And for the things that we are still holding on to, the things we don't want to break open in front of you, recognizing 
that your price that you paid on the cross is worth those things. By your Holy Spirit, O God, give us the strength to be able to do that before you. Whether those things are stories of pain and hurt that we treasure and we hold tightly to our chest and we store them in boxes that can't be opened, in jars that we don't want to pour out. Even if those things, O God, are material things that we own, things like houses, things like cars, things like our intellect, I pray, O God, that we would be open to pouring those things out to you so that you can use them because you are worthy. Lord Jesus, continue to convict us and give us community that can challenge us, challenge us to break open our jars of alabaster, pouring out worship that is costly on you because we know the price that you have already paid for us. Continue to remind us, O God, of your goodness and your mercy. Rewrite our stories, O God, so that we can give honor and adoration and praise to your name. We ask all these things in the mighty name of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen.